thing he needs to deliver his word to us. And then after you've prayed for him, then pray for your heart to receive that which God has for you. We don't all need the same thing. So let's pray for receptive hearts for each one of us. Pray for yourself that God will bring to you that which you need today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. We ask you to be in me and in each one of us. Wasn't that an unbelievable worship set? I am always so impressed by the way that you guys mix up the personnel and mix up styles. And I mean, what, a few weeks ago we had a bunch of African music going on here, and today we've got some like 70s funk going on. And <laughs> it was just, just awesome and, and uh, very anointed. So thank you guys. And I'm going to say, uh, I just want to also just say thanks to Debbie uh, Waldrop there. That was, she was just really feeling like, it was time to move into that, that time to pray for breakthrough. I just think that was right on. So it's like a full family thing today. So, uh, so anyway, thanks guys for coming. Thanks for all who helped in Project Hope. Um, it was awesome. I was just reflecting last night that we, we did. We pulled off four really big events this summer. Most of them were called Fest or Festival. Um, <laughs> Project Hope Fest was great. Uh, we had about, I think, uh, 45 people or so, um, 40 of whom came from this group uh, to help spruce up the schools last week, and uh, we planted about, um, I think, 1.2 million pansies, I think, um, give or take, uh, all over the place, so that was, that was awesome, and uh, did all kinds of bark and sprucing up, and uh, then gave away a bunch of backpacks, so thank you guys for helping us out. We had Supernatural Fest resound scandy fest and project hope fest so beautiful work um we were concerned early on like are we doing too much here um are we gonna burn everybody out but uh you guys are amazing so thanks for for loving our community uh, with us i uh i want to joshua has has he's uh gone fishing today apparently he actually is gone fishing. Uh, he's on a little break, much needed break after all this. Um, so I, I want to first, before I start, just um, explain a little bit more about some of the things that we're doing here uh, with home groups. Um, we have some, some ways that we're going to uh, change things up, and um, we're also sort of launching into this New Testament season. Uh, what? Good morning. What are you doing? Uh, I just want to let you know that that works out to 26,666 pansies per person. <laughs> All um, right. I'm one of the home group leaders here, and if you don't mind me interrupting in my capacity as a home group leader, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So, okay. Uh, you're kind of in my light there. Thank you. <laughs> uh, something very special is on my heart today, and... Um, I just need to sing, single somebody out here, Rory Bakken. Um, I just want you to know that I've noticed you growing and how awesome you are, and when you have a beard, it is fantastic. And um, you're one of the people who I really, really, really want to be very, very good friends with. Um, 
In fact, I would say best friends, BFF ease forever and ever. Um, I think that after this, you should give me your phone number so that I can call you every morning and um, probably also every night. I'd love it if you were the last voice I heard uh, before I go to bed at night. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Uh, I, just, I just really think we should be best friends and we should share everything in our lives together very intimately, very awkwardly. Um, so, will you be in my home group forever until the end of time? Wait, let me ask you one quick question. What's your favorite color at the same time? One, two, three, go. Over blue. Yes, see? We should be best friends. Wow. We have the same favorite color. Wow. Be in my home group, Rory. Uh, that was... Thank, um, I love you. It's not weird. I just... Wow. I, can I borrow that shirt? <laughs> it just got a little weird. Um, thank you. Um, anyway, we're going to try... Oh, my goodness. No, um, in the spirit of what Josh just did, I also have something on my heart. Jason, if you don't mind, again, to step, I do a step little... back oh, so I can okay. share. Thank you. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this, Josh, and I'm so glad you did that. So glad, because it makes it easier for me. Ed Glasby. I love you, man. I love everything about you. I love your hairstyle, your mustache. <laughs> Just, just every Sunday when I see you and whenever I come in here for coffee, you're like, hey, brother, blessed one, I love you, man. I love you. Ed, let's go on a trip together. We'll go on a road trip. We'll go out to coffee every day. Wow. We'll check in. Like Josh said, I'll call you at night. Late at night, you're up, right, like 3 in the morning, 4? Right, because you went to bed at 6. Okay. So I can call you late at night. I can call you early. Look, Hannah and, I, Hannah and I are starting a college group, and I know you're not college-aged, right, obviously. Right. But we were, Hannah and I were talking, and it'd be kind of nice to have, like, a grandfather figure in the college group. Right. So, Ed, kind of like Josh said to will you be intimate with us? Share every part of your life. We want to get down to the nitty-gritty in this home group, Okay. No, no, it's not awkward. It's not. It's not awkward. Okay. So will you be in our college group? Yes, I will. He said wow. yes. He said yes. Wow. That's why I love you, Ed. That's why I love you. Wow. Um, thanks. The reality is, this is kind of the position that we've put our home group leaders in. To say to people who they don't know very well, come and share life, let's get super intimate forever. And like, we're just going to keep going on forever. And, and really, it's, we, we've been thinking and talking a lot about this. And, and really, it's, it's kind of not fair to anybody. And it's not really the way that we work in life at all. Like when we're looking to be, you know, get to know people, it's not here. Let's be super best friends. Let's be blood brothers. When you, you know, it's just... Not the way that people act. Um, and uh, that's, that's part of the reason we have decided to switch up the way that we're doing home groups. Now, first of all, if you're in a home group and you guys get together all the time and have a wonderful time, we're not going to stop that, okay? I want that to be very clear. Please, keep, 
hanging out, please keep getting together, please just keep getting into the same home group, that's, that's totally fine. Um, but most of us are a little bit different in that we like start and end dates, we like to go, let's, let's get together and do a topic, or let's get together and, you know, be friends, not like try to force intimacy. So we are switching up the way that we're doing this, and we're going to a trimester system where we will uh, begin in September, uh, September the 18th, and it's going to go to December 4th, and it's going to be 12 weeks, and then they're going to stop. Now, it's going to be every week instead of the other week, because then we're going to take a break. Okay, and then in uh, uh, Jan- like mid-January, we're going to start up again and go to April, another 12-week trimester, and then we'll have one in the summer as well. And here's the idea. The idea is that we're going to have lots of groups that pop up, study a topic, get together, and it could, maybe it's not a study. Maybe it's a service project. Maybe it's going through a book together. Maybe it's just eating pie and sharing recipes. It could be anything. It could be, let's get together and play basketball. And, you know, just all kinds of things. Um, and so those will be popping up more and more. So the idea is that maybe you go to one in, in the spring, and then in the summer, you go to a completely different one, get some new people. This actually is sort of the way we already operate um, in regular human relationships. So in church relationships, it does seem kind of funny now on the other side of it, like, yeah, why did we do it that way? Why do we come and say, join our group forever and ever, and let's be intimate and share intimate fellowship? Because really, it's awkward, as we just saw. And brilliantly done, gentlemen. <laughs> that was awkward. Very good. So this is what we're doing. We are starting a trimester system. And, uh, but in this first trimester, what we're going to do, and it's going to start next month. In this first trimester, we've decided, and we really believe this is on the Lord's heart, that everybody is going to go through the same thing, and that we're going to go through the New Testament together. Now, we're going to preach on it, so every week we're going to preach through the New Testament, so as we're, as we're going through it, the sermons will come from there, and we're also going to, going to encourage everyone who will to read through it together. So we have a daily reading schedule that it's going to go for uh, uh, 12 weeks, so like 84 days, and uh, we, we've got a, a whole system. So actually, I want, can we pull up the, the website here, Amy? We have a new website up, which is coming. There we go. Um, and, and so here's our new website. Now there's the link right there. New te- can you just click on that? It still leads you to the same thing, actually. Um, so you can check out the website. And here's the, the groups. Here's our groups page. Now you want to scroll down. Now look, oh, we've got all these people who are leading groups. We still need a few pictures. So look at all those. Can you just click on Miss Janae? Would you click on Miss Janae there? Now, there she is. Now, here's how we're going to do this. You can sign up online right on that page by putting in your name and your email, and you go, boom. All right, I'm going to be in Janae's group for 12 weeks. And then we'll send you an email and tell you how to get there, etc. How's that sound? It's pretty easy, isn't it? So we want to make this as easy as possible. Now, we've got lots of... Uh, lots of people on there, um, obviously. So we've got lots of, I think we have 11 different groups that are going to be hosting, most of, most of them in Junction City, a couple of them in, in the Eugene area as well. So uh, can you scroll up to the top of the page? Now, you see this red box here at the top of the page. This is where every day uh, our new reading is going to come up right there. So you can click on there, and it's going to take you um, to uh, this great website, Bible Study Tools, and there's your reading for the day. Um, so... You, it also, it'll work on your, your mobile as well, so uh, it should be super cool. So we're going to try to stay uh, on this together for, who, who, you know, whoever um, 
will join us in this. So then Wednesday becomes a wonderful time to come together to talk about what we're reading, to have uh, uh, the leaders are going to be going through uh, some great questions and discussion tools to be able to launch off uh, the sermon as well as what we're reading. So we really feel like it's time to, to sort of get back to the basics of the New Testament, to get on the same page together, um, and uh, so that's the plan. What do you think? Yeah? All right. Very cool. So I'm going to talk, uh, you know, sort of stay in this theme this morning. Um, so I'm going to talk about long psalms and good beans this morning. Um, how many of you guys have ever come to this chapter in the Bible and decided to skip it? Be honest. Be honest. Like in your devotions, I'm going to read a psalm and you open up Psalm 119. Not that psalm. It's 176 verses. It's long. It's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. It's also what, what's called an acrostic poem. And, and it doesn't translate well because in Hebrew it takes, uh, it'll, it'll go through one, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and you get eight verses. And every one of those verses starts with that letter in the Hebrew alphabet. But of course, we speak English, so that doesn't translate well. And it goes on to the next letter. Um, it's called an acrostic poem. So it's very intricate. And uh, and to make it more intricate, every single line has a reference to the law of God, okay? And he uses different words to, to talk about law or ordinance or these kinds of things, but every single line has some reference to it. So it's this huge, beautiful literary tapestry. Now, to demonstrate how an acrostic works, I'm actually going to highlight Mr. Ed Glaspie again. Um, I actually didn't know who Aaron was going to propose to, and isn't that fun? I'm just so glad you're here. So I have written my own acrostic poem. Yes, yes, and it is called An Ode to Ed. So here's how an acrostic poem works, okay? We're going to start with the letter A, because that's the first letter of our English alphabet. See how that works? A man who donned an eye patch with ease, always pirate-like, shooting the breeze, adopting prisoners and all of Eugene. And calling us dear ones, like, um, Martin Sheen. <laughs> There's A. We're going to go to B. All right? Here's B. Bus wrecks and truck fires and angry men all. Busy trying to vanquish his call. But Glaspie's still cruising. What is his trick? Bearding himself like jolly Saint Nick. <laughs> so, if you will notice... Wasn't that beautiful? You just, yeah, you guys just discovered a hidden... <sighs> I could go on and on, but uh, we just did A and B. Now imagine 176 verses that are actually, actually legitimately beautiful poetry and that, that go on and, and talk about this. That's what Psalm 176 is. Every line, and it's going to go on to each letter. What did I say? Oh, sorry, Psalm 119, 176 verses, yes, because there are 22 letters and eight in each. Okay? So that's what's going on in Psalm 119. Now, if it seems dry, it's because it's talking about the law of God, and that seems dry. However, it is a beautiful psalm. And I just want to give you an example. Let's read Aleph, which is the first letter here. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do know unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall 
not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. Can you feel that? I can, I'll not be ashamed when I look on your, all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. It's a beautiful poem that goes all the way through and it praises something that we don't praise very often anymore, which is the law of God. Why don't we sing these kind of songs today? It's a question. Well, let me answer that. I think... I think, first of all, it's because we're terrified of legalism. Is that true? We're terrified. Oh, well, anytime you bring up something about the law of God, somebody, and I've done this myself, it's this weird thing. Somebody goes, oh, well, we don't want to get legalistic here. Oh, you know, you're totally right. <laughs> and like, we were like sincere in it. Like, dude, that would be the worst thing ever. Okay. Some of us did grow up in legalistic environments um, and were really hurt by it. Some of them are so legalistic that people grow up and they actually, you know, it's almost like spiritual abuse. However, most of us really didn't come from there, I think, if we're honest. Some of us, maybe our parents were extremely legalistic and some of us, oh, our parents just gave us rules. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, I don't want to make light of it, those who actually have come from those environments because they're very real. However, I don't think most of us have. So I think it's somewhat a little bit overdone. I think we can be a little bit overly dramatic about legalism in the evangelical church. Okay? The law of God here from the psalmist, the psalmist doesn't seem to be terrified of this. So I want to keep going. Let's. We also, I think it's, we want to talk about God's love, not his law. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about his love, not the law. Or maybe you have some, maybe this is partly because you have some really cruel people out there who call themselves Christians who are just trying to smack people over the head with the law of God day and night, day and night, and they're, they don't feel any love from them. Maybe it's because of that that we go, yeah, let's not, let's not talk about law at all. Um, I, I uh, often will peruse the, the Christian blogosphere just to see what people are saying, what they're thinking, where this generation's at. And I saw a really interesting exchange um, last week. And there was a, a, a guy holding a um, series on his blog about discipleship. So he gets a post about discipleship, uh, talking about how discipleship is growth. It, it's about, uh, uh, it's, it's so much bigger than, than the idea of tolerance, where we just let you stay there. Discipleship says, here, I want you to grow. I want you to come up here. So he writes this, and I thought it was very well done. He gets, uh, essentially, he, he gets a response, which often happens with blogs. Well, I'm going to respond over there to that blog instead of, like, talking to the person. It's sort of like, well, let me write my own thing over here. So he gets a response that basically says, um, we need to understand that God loves us no matter where we're at. Why don't you get that? God loves us no matter where we're at. Even if you're in a terrible place, he still loves you. And why are we talking about a discipleship by works? And I thought, this is really interesting because I think this is a beautiful snapshot of the struggles that we still have today. This whole like faith works thing that's been going on for like hundreds of years, it's still where we're at today because we bring in, we you start talking about works, in this, in this case, in the form of discipleship, and they go, whoa, 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 faith, dude. Faith that God loves you where you're at, period. You see what I'm saying? So it becomes this weird kind of tension that we always seem to feel. But the first thing I thought while reading the response was this. Discipleship kind of is works. 
It kind of is. The love of God, guys, is totally unconditional. There's nothing you can do to get it, to earn it. There's nothing you can do to lose it. He loves you unconditionally, not because of anything you did, and you're never, ever going to get away from his love. Apostle Paul said, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor angels, or demons, or zombies, or werewolves are going to be able to take the love of God away from me. He loves me, period. And it's never going to change. The love of God is unconditional. Discipleship, however, is conditional. It's conditional on your response. So if you're not going to respond to what the Lord has said, then you're not going to grow as a disciple. Do you see what I'm saying? And we've got to see the difference there. Discipleship, calling somebody to grow, calling them to align themselves with the law of God. We cannot assume that this means salvation by works. Because you know what? In the Bible, they talk about this all the time. And I'm pretty sure Jesus was never into salvation by works. This psalm has some beautiful, beautiful expressions in here. Um, uh, he says how blessed are those whose way is blameless how blessed not how logical are those whose way is blameless you know what I mean I, I, I saw Star Trek this weekend and uh, I used to watch Star Trek all the time growing up and it's very philosophical you know and uh, I, that's what I always, I always liked the philosophy side of it. And one of the themes that Star Trek has always explored is what it means to be human. Because you'd have Spock or Data or somebody who didn't quite get it. And it was all logic. It was all crunching numbers. And, and uh, what, does the, you know, what, what does that mean if, you, if all you have is numbers? And I think that's the way people feel about the law of God. Well, that's just cold, dry logic. And that's... So we stay away from that. Because it's not love and there's no feeling in there but you know what the psalmist says he says things like you're blessed if you follow he says oh i love your law it's my meditation all the day and a whole bunch of other amazing expressions as we're going to look at in a minute but i think it's i think it's sad that we've created this sort of wall between god's law and god's love because then what happens is we we create a place where people don't have to grow we haven't asked we, we haven't called people up because we're afraid that we're going to somehow damage their belief that God always loves them. And I want to tell you that both is true. God always will love you, no matter where you're at. And he also wants you to grow for your own sake, for those around you and for his. Now, let me explain. I, I, honestly, I think that, uh, I think that parents of, of children with special needs feel this maybe more acutely than others. Because I feel like I, uh, well, let me just give you an example. This week, <laughs> some of you saw this, I posted this online. My son, Jack, uh, for those who are visiting, uh, uh, he's seven years old. He has severe nonverbal autism. And uh, he has, for some reason, fallen in love with bean cans. And if you come over to my house, you will see bean cans all over the place, most of them full um, and they'll be lined up in different places, and he'll go, and he'll line them up, and go, and flap socks in front of him or something, which he does that to things he really likes. So uh, I don't remember when we first discovered this was something he loved, but it was just this funny thing. So now he, when he fills out 
a sticker chart for, you know, going through his, his different work. When he, when he gets the sticker chart filled up, he gets to have a trip to Safeway to get a new can of beans. So Sarah took him to Safeway this week, and he, he couldn't decide. He sat down, and he couldn't decide. She waited for 30 minutes, my patient wife, and he would go, okay, I got it. He'd pick one up and start walking away. He'd go, oh, good. And then suddenly he'd go, ah, and he would turn and he'd run back and put it back on the shelf and look again. <laughs> it's really awesome. Um, so the, we, uh, back well, like six months ago, um, when he first started forming this little attachment with beans, we were like, man, we've got we to nip this thing in the bud. Like this is, we just can't let him do this. And we since decided, you know what? There's really no harm in this. I mean, <laughs> sometimes he'll have a couple of beans up in his bed like a teddy bear. And, you know, it's really not a big deal. It makes him happy. I, I don't understand why. It's kind of odd. He doesn't even like to eat beans. That's the funnier part. <laughs> we cracked open a couple cans last night because I'm telling you, we've got enough to survive the apocalypse now. <laughs> and he wouldn't eat them. He just likes to look at them. So, we decided, you know what, it's not a big deal, and we're just going to let that go. But you know what, there are some things that as parents of special needs kids, you've got to go, okay, you know what, this is kind of important. And even if it's not a character thing, it's, it's kind of important that we, that we help him to, to, to get past this particular thing. I know all parents feel this, but um, I was thinking w- w- with him, like, for example, one of the things we're dealing with right now is uh, he's incredibly affectionate, and he wasn't always that way. In fact, he used to be really standoffish to pretty much everyone except for my wife and I. And we had Robert and Wendy over to my house one night, and he, for some reason, he had hardly even ever seen or talked to Robert, but for some reason decided that he loved Robert more than any person in the whole wide world. And he, I tell you, he could not eat. Robert's sitting here trying to eat, and Jack would like come up under his arm and go, <laughs> like an inch from his face, and be like, ah! And like, you know, all this, and we're like, whoa, like, and we were, it kind of shocked us. It was the first we'd really seen him do this with somebody he didn't know. And I think we were all like, by the end of the night, in tears, like, this was a moving breakthrough moment. And it was amazing, it was two years ago. So what's happened now is he's kind of swung to the other end of the pendulum, where he'll see complete strangers want to jump up in their lap. And, you know, if he's younger and he's in a safe environment, that, that's one thing, but he's seven years old now. And so we're having to face this, and we've been talking some with Lori about it, and she really pointed it out to us, of like, you know what? He's going to have to start learning, like, what's appropriate with people. And he can't just throw his arms and jump in somebody's lap and kiss them. You see what I'm saying? Now, do I love my son? (laughs) Yes. Do I love him right where he's at? Absolutely. Do I want him to grow? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I really do. I don't want him to stay where he's at. I want him to learn to speak. That's why we take him. That's why he, you know, he's got special school. I want him to, to, to grow and to have a, a future where he can know and express himself. And right now, I want him to be safe, which means I don't necessarily want him running onto somebody's lap uh, and, you know, grabbing their face and kissing them. So now this is a... a you know, a big example for me. I think God faces the same stuff with us. Now, as far as my son goes, since we're talking about this, I wonder if maybe you guys can help me with this too. 
to be able to say, if he does that to you, oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. But let's, let's not, we don't, we don't need to kiss. You know what I'm saying? So that we can start training him. He just did that to somebody at the park a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and thankfully, he was a real nice guy, a real nice dad. It's okay, I, I get it. I see what's happening here, etc. But I, I'm really hoping that we can, uh, you know, develop an environment for, for all our kids, and our special needs kids especially, where we can say, I love you, I'm going to show you that I love you and show you that I accept you, but I'm also going to help you to grow as much as I can. We were at Janae's uh, and uh, Nellie's the other day at our old house where we lived for three years by the Waldrips, and I was really thankful as we're eating um, that Jack, he, he would keep trying to run off somewhere. He, he's got a thing lately, he, he loves to break into Jeff and Debbie's house and go and jump on their bed, and I don't know why, but he just kept going, bed, bed, like the entire time on Wednesday. We're like, no, you're not going to go break into their house. So he would, he would keep kind of creeping away, keep, and I was so thankful. I'm going to call Nellie out here. I was so thankful because she's like, Jack, no. I'm like, look at that. <laughs> I mean, Janae's been doing that for years, and I was glad to see that Ashana Lee now has started to know my kids well enough, she has this relationship where she knows how to love them. I have no doubt that she loves them. And no part of me goes, ugh, you just told my son no and like snapped your fingers. I'm like, darn right. <laughs> Listen to her. And it, you know what it did? It, it actually made me even feel like more safe. I'm like, I like this. I like this. Because love has limitations. It has loving limitations. You see what I'm saying? This is the love of God. This is the law of God. It's a piece of his love. It's not something different. And why in the world, when we start talking about the law of God, do we suddenly detach it from love? Like, well, before you were talking about love, and now all I hear is law. Oh, so we're putting God's love. No, we're not. He gives us limitations because he loves us. And the more I look at my son, the more acutely I feel that for myself. Look at the psalmist. Here's the second letter, Beth. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander far from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I'm going to pick out a few others as we go. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. How many of us can say that? Wouldn't it be great to be able to say that with conviction? I have sought out your way and your testimonies as much as I seek out for riches, because that's how much I value it. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me according to your, to your word, to your servant. May your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Well, that's legalism. No. No, it's not. Your law is my delight. It's a beautiful thing that you've given me, Lord. You've given me things, you've given me guidelines and instructions that actually protect me and lift up those around me as well because you love me. It's not something separate. It's part of your love. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies for they are ever mine. Isn't that cool? Your commandments make me wise. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Does this sound like legalism to you? Establish my footsteps in your word and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. 
Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Isn't this good stuff? What was the psalmist reading? Here's the funny thing. He was reading the Torah. He was reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now some of those, I don't know if you've read through Leviticus lately, can be a little hard to read and hard to understand and very mystical and and just kind of a mystery. However, he saw those things and saw the heart of God through them. He's looking at them and going, this is beautiful, you love us, and that's why you told us to go and bury our waste outside the camp. (laughs) It's true. So let me ask you, how much better do we have it today? Honestly, guys, think about this. How much better do we have it today? You see, today we have the benefit of having so many of those questions worked through. People wondered what God was like. Jesus comes and says, here's what I'm like. That's what he says. And now we get the benefit of looking at him and going, oh, there's what you're like. And here is the cool thing. To be a Christian means to be like him, to to be a follower of him. And we have the opportunity to do that because his story is written down for us. Do you see where I'm going with this? His story is written down for us. If you want to, to experience the fullness of who he is, if you want to walk in the way that God designed that you walk, if you, if you want to walk in the ways of the Lord and the laws of the Lord and keep his precepts, look at him. And it can't only be a subjective experience of just sitting and soaking in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is part of it and that must remain part of it. And, 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 and seeking him in worship, it must all remain part of it. But this is an essential piece that I fear for us sometimes in charismatic churches that we forget. The simple piece of, what is Jesus like? You know what? I have his whole story here. I, I can know what he's like by actually reading the things that he said and the things that he did. And this is a part, a huge part of our discipleship. And it's a wonderful way to love him better by getting into his word again. So my challenge is is to do this, guys, is to turn our eyes upon Jesus. My challenge is that we can do this as a church, that we can come together and we we can come in these groups, we can come and actually read through the New Testament, even if you've done it a dozen times, because every time you do it, I'm telling you, something new pops out. But we turn our eyes on Jesus again and say, the world needs you, and you know what? Uh, Junction City needs you, and there's some people who might never meet you except by meeting me. So I want to become more like you so that you can touch them. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna turn our eyes upon Jesus. I challenge us, we need his words and we need his example and we need it to become more vivid. I'm gonna warn you, it will make you make adjustments. It will. I'll tell you already in, this, in the beginning of this process, we've already started looking at things in our own lives going, whoa, that's not like Jesus, is it? Oh, gosh, I, I really need to change this. I need to get in and do something about this because it's not like you. But you know what? It's a good pain. It's a good pain. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Can we have the prayer team come forward? We're going to sing through this song again. If you have any more, any other prayer needs, uh, any, anything whatsoever, you want to meet Jesus, you need healing, come forward. Um, in the meantime, let's just sing this song together and then be dismissed. And I want to encourage you 
to take this seriously, that, that uh, it, it's, it's time to go deeper and to know him again and to meet Jesus again through his word.